B'Shem Hashem Na'asem Na'asriach. Tonight, in honor of Purim, we wanted to talk about a fascinating topic, which I realized was much, much grander. We want to talk about this idea that when must a Jew sacrifice his life and not commit a sexual sin? And more specifically, how was Esther, which was a prophetess, she was a female prophet, <coughs> how was she willing and halachically able to go sleep with a non-Jew? Because obviously it's the most shunned upon thing for a Jew to marry out of the faith. She went and married him. So obviously recording tonight from my father's neshama, Shlomo Chaim ben David, and his mother-in-law, Motaram Bat Yitzchak, Ruach Hashem Tenechainam Began Eden. Okay, I wanted to first talk about the philosophy and the ethics of this issue. It's a very sensitive topic we're talking about, and as a disclaimer, only adults should watch this class. It's not for the kids, because we go into sensitive sexual topics of how Esther exactly was allowed to sleep with the king. But I wanted to, before that, the biggest mistake would be somebody walking away from this class and thinking that having sexual relationship with a non-Jew is not a, as severe as you may think, because this class may lead you down that path. But I, I just wanted to say that I saw a statistic, it's truly heartbreaking, that we're living in the generation of millennials and the... Uh, do you know what the intermarriage rate is for people under 30 that are getting married? Well, most people under 30 don't even want to get married anymore because they have the milk, why buy the cow? But more than that, it's up to almost 70%, which is terrifying. So the beginning of the end, there's a silent holocaust going on right now. Much worse than the holocaust of Hitler. And it's the time of the ancient Hitler, Haman. Next week we're going to celebrate Purim. And to trivialize intermarriage would be like trivializing the Holocaust. The beginning of the end of every Jewish family that becomes assimilated and will not have Jewish children is when they stop, when they start sleeping with the non-Jewish women in college, dating them and having, um, you know, sexual intimacy with them. And, uh, it's for this reason that thank God there's some wonderful organizations, the Wolfsons, and they spend almost hundreds of millions of dollars sending rabbis to college campuses because they researched that that's the beginning of the end. Once you start that relationship, and I wanted to bring out another thing. We're not talking about Kabbalah or making anybody feel bad. We're just stating the facts here, so don't worry. But I just wanted to say something. There's this book right here that, unfortunately, my father just passed away a few months ago. This is the Ben Ishchai wrote. And this book talks about if you've done the worst possible sins, homosexuality, sleeping with a married woman, how much you have to fast and what Tehillim you should read for God to forgive you. Like my father was on his deathbed. He had the pancreatic yener machala. So it's the tikkun karet. I just want to tell you that whoever thinks sleeping with a non-Jew is a trivial thing, he requires more fast for sleeping with a non-Jewish woman than for sleeping with a married woman, Jewish woman which is one of the Ten Commandments. What about sleeping with a married non-Jewish woman? So, Kabbalistically, I do not want to, you know, make this not be as as important, but like I said before, we want to we want to 
explain tonight how technically was Esther allowed to sin? She went and became the wife, the queen of a non-Jewish man. And, you know, any rabbi would tell you <laughs> that we don't, we, we, the Jewish law is against intermarriage. I just want to say, one of my deans, one of my rabbis in yeshiva always would say, everybody's so happy and gets drunk on Purim and it's the, it's the best day of the year. If you've ever been to Israel, the whole Israel is wearing costumes and everybody's jolly and everybody's... But we have to feel bad for Esther. Esther was one of the holiest women in the history of mankind. She's one of the seven prophetesses. And I must... Even though she was a queen, imagine a base Yaakov girl marrying a goy. I don't think she was too jolly inside the palace of Achashverosh having to be around all these pagan and idols, and having to sleep with the king. I, I, I highly doubt, and I'm a thousand percent sure she wasn't willing. But why should she do it? How was she allowed to do it? And we're just going to run right into it. I just also wanted to say something, again, not to trivialize the, the idea of intermarriage. One of the greatest rabbis that deals with a lot of um, modern technology, and he was the chief rabbi in Switzerland, Amazing, amazing Talmud Chacham, Rabbi Yaakov Yechiel Weinberg. He's, uh, he was a survivor of the Holocaust. The name of his book is Three Day Aish. He also brings down, like for example, somebody that knows it's wrong to sleep with a non-Jewish woman and does, he brings down halachically that we cannot count him part of a minion and also unfortunately we cannot give him Berachat Torah. So, that's from the Allah Press. So let's get right into it. We're going to learn the Rambam, the Maimonides, of the laws of, we Jews are the opposite of another religion. We Jews believe the most important thing is life, right? We desecrate Shabbat, like I talked about a few weeks ago. We desecrate Kippur. We desecrate anything in order to what? Preserve life. But there are times where we have to do one of the 613 commandments, which is sanctifies God's name, which die and not do. So I'm reading you the Rambam, and tonight's class is basically based on the Rambam. And a lot of people don't know this, which is unfortunate. The Shulchan Aruch wrote a very beautiful commentary on the Rambam. It's called the Keset, Kesef Mishneh. And why is it such an important commentary? Because the, the code of Jewish law, sometimes when you look at his commentary on the Rambam, we'll understand why he in a certain circumstance, decided the halakha to be the way it is. So, so I'll read the Rambam for you very clearly. It says all the Jews have to sanctify God's name, right? Kiddush Hashem. What's the worst sin? To desecrate God's name. Which is like wearing a yarmulke and then going and embezzling people's money, selling them counterfeit iPods or anything like that because then people, they get disappointed in Judaism and say, this guy has payas, this guy... Whereas a black hat, this guy's a yarmulke and he, he's a thief. It turns off people and they think the Torah, God forbid, is, is not what it should be. But on the other hand, we have to make sure sometimes a matter of life and death not to desecrate God's name. And that's what, So if a Jew comes, like a Nazi, or we're talking about Purim, Haman, right? Haman was a sadistic person. He comes to you and says, you have to eat pork, a cheeseburger, or else I'll chop off your head. What do you have to do? You eat the pork. You eat the pork, you eat the cheeseburger. 
right? Because the Torah says in Parashat Vayechi, these are the commandments that you should live by. The Torah is coming to make the world a more perfect, more perfect place, a more harmonious place, and not to cause death or suffering to anybody. So therefore, the Rambam actually holds something interesting, which we're going to see at the end of the class has very important ramification. Let's say you want to be super orthodox, super, super religious, and even though you should eat the cheeseburger, or the pork sandwich, or the bacon, you want to be extra strict and pious and above halakha, and you'll challenge him. you say, kill me, I'm not going to do it. Even if you shoot me in the head, I'm not going to do it. The Rambam holds, you're, you're murdering yourself. It's, it's synonymous to committing suicide, which means the Rambam is of the position, and the Ramban, the two greatest Sephardic rabbis of the medieval age, both Ramban and Rambam hold, Whenever you have to sin and not die, if you want to, you're, you're a fool if you give up your life for not eating the cheeseburger or any of the other sin. Because it's, our life is a lease. We talked about this once. That we, we, we're not allowed, the worst shameful thing in Judaism is to commit suicide. And under halacha, don't think you're going to get extra credit when you didn't eat the cheeseburger and let the goy shoot you in the head. You made a big fat mistake and God will punish you actually in heaven because you're not allowed to die and let yourself be killed, right? But what are the three cases that you actually do have to let the non-Jew kill you? That's the next halacha. By the way, if anybody wants to look up the Rambam, it's the Rambam in Yesodeha Torah chapter 5. Now we're going to learn the second halacha the Rambam says. Everything we said up till now, there's three exceptions to it. Idol worship, sexual immorality, like sleeping with a married woman, which is one of the Ten Commandments, and becoming a murderer. So if a Nazi comes to you and says, shoot up this entire kindergarten of little kids or I'll shoot you in the head. You're not allowed to ever murder anybody because why is your blood better than theirs, right? You're never allowed to sleep with a married woman, even if her guards... Um, she's like the head of the Israeli mafia, for example. And she said, I'll, I'll have my people kill you if you don't sleep with me. You're never allowed to. And also, please, everybody, read Jewish history because it always repeats itself. I would venture to say maybe a million Jews in the, in the 3,000 years the Jews have existed have burnt at the stake and not become Christian, right? In the Spanish and the, the pogroms. So we are never... Write down your questions if you have them. Right? Make a mental note. Um, but we are never allowed to do idol worship under no circumstances, right? We have to give up our life and never do it. Now we want to go more into the details of this. Going back to the first law that I said, the cheeseburger, even that has a exception to it. Because you've got to love Judaism. It has an unlimited amount of laws. So let's say the Rambam says, Let's say the, the non-Jew wants you to eat the cheeseburger just because it'll make him feel good. It's like, you know, it shows that you're his friend. But let's, but let's say his, by you eating the cheeseburger, you're, that's a symbol that you're converting to, um, 
Christianity, right? So he's he's doing it not for. I mean, the best case example of this is the act of intimacy, of sexual intercourse, right? Most people would would want to do that because they have pleasure in that, which is going to be the whole topic of tonight's class. So, but there are certain times where the guy's doing it not because he wants, right? For example, the Rambam says, let's say a non-Jew, he wants a barbecue, so he says, Jew, Jew boy, go and cut down a tree, make a fire for me so I can make my barbecue. So you're allowed to do that on Shabbat and not die, right? Because the the non-Jew is telling you to light the fire and cook for him and make a barbecue because it's 4th of July. But let's say the non-Jew has much more sinister intent. He says... Now the Rambam says here something which is going to be the whole idea of the class. The non-Jew says to, says to a Jewish girl, you have to let me rape you, you have to let sleep with me, or else I'm going to kill you. He, the, the woman does not have to let him kill him. She can, she can be submissive to him, which is exactly what Esther did. This is going to lead us to the whole idea of how what happened with Esther. But... On the other hand, but on the other hand, if there's 10 Jews around, right? So this is in a public forum, right? Let's say it's in a synagogue. The non-Jew Nazi comes and there's 10 people, 10 Jews, and he says, eat the cheeseburger because by eating the cheeseburger, it's a symbol that you're Christian now, right? That you became part of Buddhism or any pagan Idol worship. The law is you have to sacrifice your life again. You know why? Because this is a chilul Hashem. There's ten Jews there. It's not in a private setting. And really he's wanting you to become an idol worshiper. Now he's not telling you to bow down to the cross. But he's telling you by doing this specific act. It's how you are becoming. Signifying that you're non-Jewish. So it says. Im so if he's coercing you to sin, to cause you to change your faith, then that would be a problem. And then I don't want to get into the rest of it if it's a time where actually it's like the Crusades, where it's a pogrom, it's like the Spanish Inquisition. When they they institutionally want to wipe out Judaism, they want every single Jew either to convert to Catholicism or get burnt. Then, even if it's not ten people there, and they want you to eat non-kosher, again, it's a time that they want to destroy the Jewish religion. You have to give your life, and uh, even if they want you to again by symbolizing doing a certain act of a certain haircut which would symbolize that now you're a Christian, right? Like let's say all the Catholics, they have like the, you know how the monk haircut? Mm-hmm. It's a halacha. You would have to sacrifice your life and, and not go for it. Now unfortunately, this happened. You know, this is not something theoretical. This happened time and time again throughout Jewish history. Many Spanish Jews, as you know, did not have the guts, did not have the, in Farsi we say jigar, did not have the the courage to ultimately, you know, 
and they became the, the hidden Jews, which um, the Moranos. The Moranos. So now, like Christopher Columbus was a Morano. Right. So let's go into the, to the to this Gemara. There's a Gemara that says exactly what we said. The Gemara says that there's three sins that you have to sacrifice your life and not do. But then the Talmud has a big question, which is the whole, why we're here tonight. Esther was a public figure. There must have been millions upon millions of Jews, Iranian Jews, and non-Iranian Jews, Jews from India to Ethiopia, that knew Esther was Jewish and knew that she had become the queen. The queen. Now, the question very simply here is, number one, how was Esther able to do that? So the first thing we have to establish here is that Maimonides, the Rambam is of the opinion that for a non-Jewish woman to sleep, for I'm sorry, a Jewish woman like Esther to sleep with the non-Jewish man is not arayot. It's not like sleeping with your mother or a married woman. It could be a sin, like eating a cheeseburger, right? But it's not arayot. Halachically, it's not. And that actually we do follow the Rambam in that. So why? But the Gemara is bothered. Esther still should have sacrificed her life. Why? Because she's basically becoming the queen, converting to his religion, and everybody, more than 10 Jews know about it. Actually, the whole Jewish world knows about it, right? So, the Gemara is very baffled. Why didn't Esther sacrifice her life and say, no, I won't become your queen? So the Gemara says two answers, which is really the whole crux. It's, it's the Gemara in Sanhedrin, which is amazing Gemara. If you ever want to learn the juicy fun Gemara that talks about the Jewish Supreme Court, you lawyers would like it, and the Sanhedrin, the Gemara says over here two answers, why Esther was allowed to have sexual relations with Achashverosh, even though she was a public figure and all the Jews of the world knew about it, and by this she's symbolizing, symbolizing that she's becoming the queen of a pagan nation and becoming non-Jewish. The first answer is Esther Karka Olam. As I don't want to get too graphic here, but a woman in the classical way of intimacy is like a piece of dirt, the Gemara says. Which means she's not proactive in the act, right? So this is something very important to understand. It says, we said there's three cases, or the fourth case, where you have to give your life and not die. Give your life and die, I'm sorry is Yeharig Ba'al Yabor. Which means, you have to be proactively doing the act of sin, of rebelling against God. You understand? But if you're passive, then you don't have to give up your life. So it says, since whenever Esther was with the king, she was just, you know, like a dead fish passive. She was like, on the bottom. Therefore, she she didn't have to sacrifice her life. Second answer which is kind of more important than the first answer, is that Ahasuerus did not want her to convert, right? If you read the Megillah, he was perfectly fine. He kept on asking Esther which nation she was, and she was 
really the first Mossad agent, I say. She was totally secretive, right? He asked her, are you Egyptian? Are you... So it says... So it says... It says that... What did we say? Whenever the non-Jew is just doing it for self-pleasure, you never have to sacrifice your life, even if the ten Jews, even if the whole world knows about it. So that's why the king, obviously, he was not trying to convert Esther. And therefore, it was like the case like on Shabbat, right? It's 4th of July, the Nazi comes to you, he says, cook me a barbecue, right? Light the fire and cook me the hamburgers. He's not trying to make you a Christian. He just wants a juicy hamburger. So... Those are the two reasons why Esther did not have to sacrifice her life. Now, to go a little bit deeper into this, the Bet Yosef brings the second idea here. And that is that the Rambam holds as the Ramban holds like I said before, for a Jewish lady like Esther to have relations with a uh, a Jewish, a pagan, a non-Jew, is not considered arayot. Arayot means um, the the classical sexual sins which has the death penalty or has karet. You understand? Like if you sleep with your sister, if you sleep with your mother, if you sleep with a married woman, those are arayot, right? A Jewish girl sleeping with a a Jewish man. We'll take questions at the end. It's it's not arayot. And there's a second thing here. We must hold Maimonides holds. It's crystal clear the way he's passing here. In the Gemara, actually, do you know there's many rabbis that have the opinion that not only was Mordechai, Esther Mordechai's niece, but she was his wife. Mm-hmm. That's, mm-hmm. so, you, that, I address your question. So it says, the Rambam holds that that's just a midrash. That's one rabbi's opinion. Not everybody holds like that. Cause in the Megillah, it says that he was her, she was his stepdaughter. Which means her father and mother died. You know, she was an orphan. She, mm-hmm. They died very young. And Mordechai raised her mm-hmm. as a stepfather. Mm-hmm. Now there's a Gemara that says, don't call it Bat el She was like his w- wife. wife. But the Rambam does not hold that so They were never married? No, he holds they, that. They never had he holds, he holds. The Rambam? The Rambam holds, and the Ramban also holds this way. The Esther was a single virgin woman. Virgin when, even. Yeah, she never... When she slept with Al-Khashver. When she slept with Al-Khashver. And after. She... Wow. She never was married... She never was married to anybody. Right? That's why we're saying the sin that she did was not so much of a big sin, right? I mean, she was a single woman... Yeah, that was give birth to <laughs> Yeah, she did. We're gonna deal with really? While she was a virgin. Oh, wow. Dude, the, wrong religion. Dude, seriously, <laughs> please. Now I'm learning here. This is interesting. Wrong Dude, religion. Keep it to yourself. I Benji. swear. Shh. Okay. Jesus. Okay, good. stop. Okay, so anyways. It says. What the? Now why? 
Why does the Rambam hold this, my dear friend? That, that, um, why do we have to come to the conclusion that Esther was not a married woman? Because when the Gemara is baffled why Esther didn't sacrifice her life, the Gemara is saying, under the impression that it was because the entire Jewish nation knew about it. The Gemara, if she was really married, the Gemara said it's Gilui Arayot, right? Everybody would agree a married woman has to sacrifice her, not, not, not sleep with the, cheat on her husband, even if she's gonna be killed, right? Really? Yeah. So, it's for this reason, but if she's gonna save the that, whole that, nation, that, that, yeah, it's, it's from the Gemara, the Gemara in Sanhedrin, the okay. way the Gemara asked the question, the Gemara is not presuming she's a married woman. It's but presuming- I think she was though. Because she still goes to save the entire nation. I don't know. That's a very good question. That may be possible. It still can. You mean? It's still possible. But yeah, that's what I'm saying. So it's that's above the scope. Okay. But that's above the scope of the class. Right now, we're saying that according to the Rambam and the Ramban, she was a single woman, and that's why it was not so much of a problem for her to have relations. Now, I want to get to the second part of the class, which is a little bit more fascinating. The, we want to go the opposite way. And the opposite way is that how about a Jewish man with a non-Jewish woman, right? Till now we were talking about Esther. So let's change the, reverse the roles. So, so it says, Yosef, So the Nemuke Yosef is one of the greatest Rishonim, he has a commentary on the rift, the Al-Fasi. He says, you men don't get carried away. This, it's only, it's only not such a big sin. And it's not considered arayot, which is sexual immorality for a female Jew to be with a Jewish man. But the opposite way, it is. You have to sacrifice your life. If a, if like the, the queen of England or one of the princesses says, I'll shoot you in the head. Or you or sleep with a going? Sleep with this female princess? You yeah, have to die and not do it. Married or not married? Doesn't matter. Yeah, as long as she's going, you cannot sleep with her. This is this opinion. Hold Who's your horse. Opinion is this? this is the Nemuke Yosef and the Ramban. The Rambam. The Ramban. Nachman. Nachmanites. Nachmanites. Nachmanites uh, holds that way. Why? Because very simply, gentlemen, I have to read you for another Gemara in Sanhedrin. Why, why does the Nemuke Yosef say that if we reverse the roles to not sleep with a shiksa, you have to be willing to sacrifice your life and die? Because he says, I'll bring you two proofs. Proof number one is, Pinchas killed Zimri, right? There's a law that if you want to look it, look it up, it's in the Talmud Sanhedrin, page 82. It's a whole long discussion that says, if in public you take the hand of a woman, uh-huh. And take her into the bedroom. Mm-hmm. And you know, they warn you, they say, you're doing it to antagonize God. Like exactly Zimri did in Parshat <coughs> Pinchas, right? In the end of Balak. He went to Moshe and said, could I me- marry this princess from Midian? Cosby? Moshe said, of course not. He was defiant. He took her into the tent and then the great Kohen, Pinchas killed them simultaneously. There's a law called if a Jew is sleeping with a female pagan, a non-Jewish woman, in public, 
<coughs> what do you mean by public? Public. Everybody knows. He's like flaunting everybody. it. He's flaunting it. He's saying, I'm taking to the room. Oh, flaunting it. To be with her. Right? She's married? Or like the, read, read, read the end of Balak. You'll but understand. She's married? Doesn't matter. Married. Doesn't matter. Then, the people that are zealous for the honor of God, uh-huh. they can't take it that the name of God is being desecrated. Kill them. They don't have to. No, they don't have to. They can. So the Nemuka Yosef says, since we see Pinchas, because of this law, Kanaim Pogimo was allowed to kill Zimri, then it must be it's a very serious Crime. sin. Second reason he says, the Bet Yosef brings, is that the katav od shekol davar shemiyadam laaviru bal korcheinu veim lo pagu kanim chayav karet. Okay, this brings us to the second part of the class, which is also a very very important idea. Unfortunately, in the time of the of the that wonderful other holiday, rabbinic holiday, right? We're we're right before Purim. There's another beautiful holiday called what? Hanukkah. A lot of the Jewish men were sleeping with non-Jewish women at the time. So guess what the Maccabees did? He killed all those men. No, the court of Maccabees uh-huh. made a law. Because you know... Like what the Sanhedrin. Yeah, the, their Sanhedrin okay. got together and they said, we're making a rabbinical enactment. Look at the Gemara on page 82 in Sanhedrin. They said, whoever sleeps with a non-Jew, in order to cut off this bad habit of the Jewish men, they were sleeping with the Greek women... They said, whoever sleeps with such women is like you're sleeping with a nida, a woman that's nida, had her cycle. It's like you slept with a slave woman, which is also a sin. It's like you slept, you got married to a pagan, even though you're not married to her. And also it's like you slept with a harlot, a prostitute. So not only you're doing one, and then we're going to ask God, because guys, when we, well, one second, one second, one second, no, 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 no. It says, it says, it says, like this. They made, okay, this is very important to know. In the Berachat Torah we say, Baruch Hashem, Natan, God gave the Torah to us, right? Which means, even if a heavenly voice comes down and tells us this should be the halacha, we don't listen to it. Who decides the halacha? The Sanhedrin. So the Sanhedrin said that whoever <coughs> sleeps with these non-Jewish women is like he's doing these four sins and he gets karet, by the way. Which means what? His soul will be cut off from the Jewish nation and not go to Olam Haba. They instituted a rabbinical act, which is a fascinating but thing. It's rabbinical, not from Hashem. Whatever the rabbis say, no, 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 whatever the rabbis say, Hashem agrees with. So that's, really? the, the Nemuke Yosef for these two reasons, the Nemuke Yosef for these two reasons says that if you are in a situation where you have to sleep with a non-Jewish woman, sacrifice your life and don't do it. Now, I want to tell you, halachically, the Rambam does not hold this. Where's way. my gun? Time to go The Rambam, myself. The Rambam, Maimonides does not concur with this position, but Nachmanides does. Mm. 
Now, now wait, wait one second. I want to bring. Better to, let's say masturbate than go with a non-Jewish. Yes, person. yes. Take loneliness. Yes, take the suffering, yes, yes, yes. Take all. That I was actually I forgot I, when I was preparing the class. Let's say just masturbate for the rest of your life if you can't yeah. get married to any woman. Have questions for you. After, 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 guys. We're recording now. It's better than go to a yes, yes. yes. The Sefer Hasidim says that. Too. Yes. Really? Yes. So just be alone and be miserable. Okay, well, one second, one second, one second. Uh-huh. interesting stuff. So. Because so, I'm applying to my own life here. One second, one second, one second. So anyways, we, we want to talk about this. Why would the Ramban argue on Maimonides? Maimonides is very clear, his position. Maimonides says the same way. That Esther, for Esther, which was a single woman, to sleep with Achashverosh, was not Gilu Arayot, it was not sexual immorality. Obviously, it's forbidden, that relation, but she didn't have to sacrifice her life. Same thing for a Jewish man, which is, this is actually the halakha. That to be with a non-Jewish woman is not, you, if the technically case, a, a prince of, princess of England would come to you, and say, I'll shoot you in the hand or sleep with me, you would not have to sacrifice your life. The same way Esther did not have to sacrifice her life. But the Ramban, which is, this is going to be the second half of the class, the Ramban holds, yes. Now the Ramban brings a very, very fascinating proof. And what's the proof?